All right, everybody, welcome to the world. Thank you for joining me once again. Today, I have on one of my good friends, Chris Saunders. Um, let's get right into it, guys. How are these jazz clubs going uh, that you've been hitting up lately, Saunders? I want to hear all about that. Uh, pretty good. So, yeah, I've uh, I've always had a passion for music. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've found myself... Um, really getting more into jazz and like interpretive music. And so I've, I've been, uh, cutting aside, uh, more time to go to live performances and, uh, discussions afterwards. Um, and it's really just fed, fed my interest even more. And I've, I've been really enjoying it and it's, it's really broadened my knowledge and, uh, really plugging into that culture, meeting a lot of people, getting into those groups. And uh, I've been really enjoying it a lot. I've never really got into jazz, but I do believe it works almost, you know, how Dave Matthews and the Grateful Dead live shows go. They kind of just start riffing off of each other. And the music that they're performing is is literally live. You know, no one's ever heard that before. They're just jamming out with each other. You know what? Like that's, that's that I feel like okay. So when you say jazz, it really tends to it 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 uh, alienates a lot of people. Because what do you think when you think of jazz? Like, do you think of like elevator music, like Yanni? And there's a lot of negative associations. But honestly, like good good jazz. Um, I feel like we should move away from the the term of jazz and just it's jamming. That's really all it is. Like it doesn't have to be like jazz instruments, like like saxophone and a little like little, little, you know, like some percussion, like smooth jazz and bebop. And, but I mean, you can do jazz with anything. You can do jazz with literally any instrument, like something that you would totally not associate with jazz. It's, it's really just jamming. It's just, one person is just, it's like improv jamming. You're just making up as you go and you get a feeling and everyone just starts in with it. And if you're kind of, if you're, there's nothing wrong with pop music. There's good pop music. But if you find yourself getting a little bit bored with just like the basic chord progressions that we've been playing over and over again since the 1960s it's definitely like refreshing um because it can go anywhere it's it's not a yeah and that's i think that's how you know someone is really good is when they're up on the stage and they're basically just pulling the stuff right out of their ass and it's amazing yeah (laughs) so like what kind of music have you been into lately I've been really listening to um, a decent amount of alternative music. Uh, do you know who Father John Misty is? Fuck yes, I do. Hell yes. Father John Misty's Dude, fucking amazing. I love that guy. Dude, that's he awesome. He's so that's fucking great. good. Hell yeah. So good. And he, I, he was a member of the Fleet Foxes, right? Um, 
I believe you're right. I believe so. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, sure what he did, though. If he was a vocalist or just, like, played the guitar or some shit. I think he had to be a vocalist because his he's such a great vocalist. and He really is. Yeah. Um, I actually... I got into him when I interned at KCRW in LA. It's this fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal. I would say like one of the top four or top three, um, like like music radio stations in the United States. Like, actually, the the first time Beck ever performed on the radio was at this radio station. Oh, no way. The first time Adele ever the first time Adele ever performed in the US was at this radio station. That's awesome. Um so they 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 really built a reputation of like it's actually it, it's it's kind of how radio used to be back in the day. Like if you can get on the radio like you you see uh biopics of like like Johnny Cash or like The Beatles or or The Temptations and it's it was all about like getting that radio time. Like DJs used to have so much power. They used to like getting your music on the airwaves, like before the internet, before even before like records were so easy to to come by. Like just in like how music used to be. Like your way of finding new music used to be the radio. And that that was just that just used to be uh the the main means of discovering new music was the radio and they're kind of the there's just not very many people that do that anymore and uh that's that's basically how they built their reputation but so when i was interning there um i mean they'd get huge bands come in and give live performances the show that i was that i interned during was uh, morning morning eclectic with uh, Jason Bentley, and he was the main DJ, the main one. So it was I was really lucky. I didn't know anything about him. It was perfect that I just happened to be interning for his show. So we had people like like Franz Ferdinand, Father John Misty, and then he would also bring in people like um, oh shit, what's what's the Who's the the astrophysicist or uh, scientist Tyson? What's oh, his first Neil, name? Neil um, deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Hannibal Burris. He also had another segment where he would bring in celebrities and just the celebrity would bring in their five so- favorite songs, and they would just break down those songs, and they break down those songs and just talk about why they like them. That's so cool. Anyway, one morning, Father John Misty played. And as he was in the studio playing, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, who is this guy? And that's that's virtually how I discovered Father John Misty. Dude. And ever since then, I was, like, pretty obsessed with him. He's pretty, he's pretty great. That's so fucking cool that you got, like, the first yeah. introduction that you had with Father John Misty was a live performance. And it wasn't even, like, at a concert. That I don't know. Did you get to meet him? No. no, unfortunately, like we didn't only a few times could we like sit outside the studio and watch uh, bands play live. Uh, actually, the only bands that I saw play live in the studio, they're like little more, little more unknown. 
Um, probably the most famous was Courtney Barnett. And she was really blowing up at the time. Maybe some people know who she is, but she's really become uh, like a staple, like rock musician. She's an Australian rocker and she's, she's fucking awesome too. And, uh, but I would say before I started interning at that radio station, I think I became a little bit comfortable with my music taste. That just happens. You know, everybody, so like your parents, for instance, like what kind of music do they listen to? Do they listen to music that was popular when they were like, there's usually like a cutoff, like when they're 18 years old, what was popular at that time? They tend to kind of stick to it like forever. Like my mom, for instance, when she was coming of age and uh, in high school, she was obsessed with John Denver. And that's about all she listens to. And my dad, Credence Clearwater. As far as I know, my parents just kind of listened to the music that was in the top 40 or really popular when they were, uh, you know, late teens, very early 20s. And that's all they listened to. That's, And that's the case for a lot of people. Like, is that the case for your parents? Like, what do they... What do they listen they, to? They they do dabble um, in new music for sure. Because uh, I really yeah, that's actually really rare. Maybe that's why you have like some progressive music taste. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I feel because your parents are much older um, than mine are, and I I feel like maybe just the way the way we get music now is is so different than like your parents got uh especially like with you know what that's actually that's a pretty like keen observation i bet mm-hmm. you're right yeah but, especially so, with so spotify what, what and age Apple are your music. parents uh my parents are like 30 late late 30s early 40s oh my god i didn't know that yeah that seems insane to me <laughs> oh wow okay so like yeah my parents my dad just turned 62 my mom's 61 Oh, yeah. Honestly, like, so just so your parents started listening to music like with cassettes, right? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably. For sure. Okay. And like CDs were probably just laser discs were probably just coming out. Oh, yeah. They were in it the heyday. Like, (laughs) they were like, oh my God, CDs. Those are so cool. (laughs) So, where did your parents grow up? Like, in a small, like, what kind of, how big was the town? Uh, my. Actually, my my mom lived in Goffstown, which is a pretty big town, and she lived in like a suburban kind of uh, streetway. And my stepdad um, grew up in uh, he grew up in the city, and then my my dad also uh, grew he he grew up in Hooksit, um, in Florida. My dad moved around a lot. Um, okay. And, yeah, that makes. That does make a big difference, too, because growing up in the city, you're just exposed to a lot more. But I don't know. I guess just looking, that's what's unique about, like, somewhat, like, for you. Um, Growing up, for me, I think that's another reason that music, for me, was always something so special. Because I grew up in a very rural area. My, My high school had... My graduating class had 38 people in it. Oh, my God. And it was it was multiple towns that came together to go to high school. Uh, I would say it was a combination of about, like, five different towns. The closest town, like, where we would get our milk and 
bread and and stuff like that. Like we have we have one gas station. Uh, we have like an on and off again restaurant. Sometimes we have a restaurant. Some years we don't. It's just <laughs> it's so like, um, it, it has eleven hundred people in it that town. But the actually closest town was Lakenan, and we had one general store and only about eleven people lived there. The general store closed up years and years ago. That's crazy. So. Like coming out here, it's like stepping back in time, especially before the internet, um, mm-hmm. before people became like connected. But so, I mean, you can only imagine for my parents growing up in the 70s, that's another like good example. Like the radio was it. Like that was like, there's no record stores around here. Like it was really rare to get a record and you'd have to travel like an hour or more. Uh, to even get to a, like a decent city that would have a record store. So for me, coming of age before the internet was a, was a thing. Uh, you just get that. That's when like downloading music on LimeWire and Napster before it became illegal. <laughs> that was really the way to get music. And we, I didn't have internet. It'd be like my brother's friend has like a really sweet desktop computer like a Windows 98 or something, and uh, had an internet connection. And I would pay my brother to pay this guy to, like, just download music, like, whatever it is, usually, like, top 40 stuff. And so music discovery was really tough. Um, But when I would find something that I liked, it was, like, magical. I've always been into music. I've always, Mm -hmm. like, I noticed at a young age found I realized at a young age that music affects me more than other people and it was a it was like it was magical like the to discover new music you didn't you couldn't just like go online and on the iTunes and open up a genre and just like discover music like you really had to dig and you had to try and discover the most the the most magical place I could ever go would be like a music store, like a like a CD store, which for me was Fye, uh, oh, which is now kind of debunked. Yeah, I think it's uh, for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. But I used to go to Fye and drop like I dropped so much money there. Like I <laughs> would go in, drop one hundred and fifty bucks on like CDs. Like my CD case was my most prized possession. Grow it like you know the whole Sherlock Holmes um, uh, trope of uh, if someone is hiding a secret document in their house or some t- stolen treasure, he would set off a smoke bomb or something to make them think that the house was on fire. <laughs> to get and he'd be like waiting outside the house, and they would run outside the house carrying the like jewel or the prize possession. Like that was always his way of finding out, like mm-hmm. finding stolen if someone stole something, it's kind of, I explain that in a really awkward way. But what I'm trying to say is like that my CD case was my burning house. Like say, like have to save possession. Like if my house was ever burning or on fire, the first thing I'm going to grab is my CD case. It was my most prized possession. And, uh, no, that's awesome. You, you explain that that very well. Oh my, uh, thank you with the Sherlock so Holmes much. bit. And I think I appreciate <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally got that. And I think like the reason 
you know, you love music so much is what was because of like the way you had to get it, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Even for me, getting music was simple. I just went on LimeWire, downloaded that shit, no problem. Yeah. But dude, you, 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 you had to pay off your brother's friend uh, to download your music. That's just so awesome. It's con- it's so it's so like underground. Yeah, and it was like because so much effort and so much searching had to go into finding new music. It just made the payoff so so sweet. Like there was just such there was a a big there's so much effort that went into a payoff. Sometimes the payoff was really little and sometimes it was really big. Like I didn't discover the Beatles until I was in like early high school, late middle school, I knew who the Beatles were, but the only th- the only songs I heard were you know things they would play on like oldies stations. Like you never really got into like their deep archive, um, and it's the same way with a lot of different musicians. Like even like Michael Jackson, like you know who Michael Jackson is, and maybe you know his top three songs of his entire career or any band. But man, there's 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 fantastic songs that know that never really get airtime and uh, that you just you just never discover until you're until later in life. For sure, I love that one. There's like this one band that I I really like, and then I list I hear a song that I've never heard by them before. And I'm just like, oh my god, like this is amazing. How have I never heard uh, them sing this before? I think I've told you this story before, but it is a great anecdote uh, about the Beatles. My, me and my friend were driving. I think we were going to the mall or something like that. And he was like, do you like the Beatles? I was like, yeah, man, I love the fucking Beatles. So he, he puts on this band that he thinks has been, he, he's been thinking this band is the Beatles for like five years now because he was downloading a Beatles cover band off LimeWire for five years or whatever, thinking that he they were legit the Beatles, and he starts playing it. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you listening to? This is not the Beatles. And he was like, yeah, it is, man. What do you mean this isn't the Beatles? I was like, do you... Like, no, this is not John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Ringo, George. Like, you're not listening to the Beatles. And so you know I plug in was? my phone. Like, no clue. It was just some random cover band. And then I play him the actual oh Beatles, god. and he was just like, "Oh my god, my whole life is a lie." <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is kind of funny for me. So, I discovered okay another way to discover new music for me. Something that was really big is to just burn other people's uh, discs and CDs. Um, I was really really lucky in high school. My junior year, I met this dude. Patrick Court Camp, and we're still like I consider him one of my closest friends. Like we're, I have such a history with this guy. I've now known him for, you know, thirteen, fourteen years, which seems insane. Um, but him and his sister had they they actually just moved to my small town. They came from St. Louis, and they were very they were big music heads, like big time, like. Uh, mostly alternative stuff like and and it was really broad like it was like punk music like the ramones the uh dresden dolls nick cave uh and then like 
you know, like progressive, more like atmospheric music, like Sigaros or, um, like it, I'm kind of like falling short, but like a really good music. So, um, one way, a huge, a huge like music birth that I had or um went discovered a lot of music was through them and i would just like get into their music archive and just start burning shit and i discovered i really uh narrowed down like found out what i truly liked then because before i was like i love music i love music uh this is good this is good but it wasn't until then that i was like oh shit like what the fuck? I've never heard anything like this in my life. Like, no way you would you ever hear this stuff on the radio. It was just so out there. And, um, but yeah, burning other people's, uh, ripping other people's music was uh, another really big part of my life and like discovering music. So That's basically, so like, school. I basically graduated from, so it went like, Basically listening to the radio, to LimeWire, then to going to FYE, and then I, once I started ripping music, I actually don't even know the last time I went into an actual like CD store and like bought a CD. It's, it's been years and years. I, actually, I think after that, I started going to Amazon. When Amazon just started... They were really big into selling used stuff. They, Amazon's market used to be in like used media, used DVDs and used CDs. And then they just became what they are now. And it's just like, you know, a Alibaba slash Walmart, whatever the fuck you want, you can get it. But that's what they that's what they started as. And I would buy albums like used CDs for like three bucks, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, there's this great um, store in Bangor called Bull Moose, and it it's a bookstore, it's a music store, it has DV, it's also a movie store. Um, dude, they have everything that you could want in one store. They have funny little knickknacks like you would find at Spencer's Gifts. It's just so cool. And I recently got a new car, and I didn't have like an aux cord, so I bought a couple CDs, and I def. And the thing I like about CDs because I f- and same with with um, vinyl. Even it's it's not the same have having the physical like piece of music like in your hand. I feel like it makes it so much more personal. And you're actually you know you're listening to the whole album. You're not just making a playlist with a bunch of different songs, which I definitely enjoy because you know you can make your own mood with the songs that you pick, but it's not the same as, you know, sitting down and listening to the whole album and, and really understanding what yeah. the artists were trying to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And also like something I actually didn't even really consider or think about until a couple of years ago, I was listening to this podcast and they kind of introduced me to the concept. And that is, so when you make a playlist or whatever, you are, you're de- you're listening to the song and you're appreciating the song but if you truly if if you find a band that you truly love and it's like it they have those albums where you can just like stick the album on and listen it from beginning listen to it from beginning to end 
Um, those are the type of bands that you really need to truly experience like an album. Because an album is a, it's a storyline. It's not just some some music. A good, honest band, it's a story. It's a, it's a novel. It's a book. There's a beginning and there's an end. There's a reason that they put those tracks in the order that they're meant to be heard. There's so much thought that goes into how they build an album, usually. Uh, it's so they're intricate. Good, if, they're, if they're a good, honest band. Yeah, there's some bands, they just throw shit on there. And they're like, yeah, we want the first song to really pull people in. And then, yeah, we'll put some of our little just like filler songs in there. And we want to end on a high note, too. We want people to listen to the whole. Like, there's definitely a formula for building some albums. But... A really good band, a real honest band. When they build an album, there's a reason, and it's it's an experience, and uh, it, it it's really it's a fun experience when you when you're introduced when you realize that concept, and then you re-listen to an album, and it's just another level of enjoyment and another level of experience as opposed to just listening to the song. I agree one hundred percent. And have you? ever listen to Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City. I think that, personally, that's one of my favorite albums. You know, I never listened to Kendrick Lamar until I, I grew up loving hip-hop. And, uh, like, back in the, like, 90s and early 2000s, dude, like, I have such a nostalgia for, like, Busta Rhymes <laughs> and, uh, like, like some, like, old school, what's now considered old school, but, like, hip-hop, because I just, I just love it. Like, I love a good beat, you know, and um, I, I really got into, like, old, old school, like, like, the beginnings of hip-hop, like, um... Oh shit! What what's some um, uh, a tribe oh, called God Quest? Damn it! They're really oh, fuck good. yeah! Uh, but even before them, like like boom bap rap, like boom bap original rap, uh, Grandmaster Flash, the Sugar Hill Gang, like <laughs> when they're rapping, they're just like literally talking to a beat. Uh, so I was walking down the street just the other day eating my cornflakes and I was like hey like just like ridiculous like listening to it now it sounds trifling as fuck but they didn't have anything to go on they didn't have any like rap was new like they're just trying to figure that shit out it was a new genre yeah that was they were the pioneers of the of of hip-hop and rap yeah and that's that's actually something that appeals to me with jazz as well jazz is was the first music genre that was actually like created within the united states um the most the the most american music is to me is hip-hop and jazz and um they're very young like it's very expensive like you, it is. They're 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 new, and uh, I feel like in the past like ten years, honestly, in the last like five years, even we've really seen like a renaissance with rap because I feel like uh, with our new with streaming now, 
it's cut out a lot of the overhead with production. It used to be that, you know, to get your music heard, you had to be good enough, you had to get a label. Well, in order to get those things, you had to produce music that was uh, had mass appeal, could be enjoyed by the, you know, could get in the top 40. Unless they think you had mass appeal, they weren't going to fuck with you. But now you have all these SoundCloud rappers that are just creating shit in their home. Like if they have garage band, they can like, um, I'm pretty sure, um, shit. What's his name? He basically looks like a troll, like a white troll that lives under a bridge with all the face tattoos post Malone. So I'm pretty sure that's how post Malone, like he actually started with garage band and he didn't have any instruments. He was just fucking around with garage band and that's how he got started. So, we're seeing more creativity and more experimentation and we're seeing like a very rapid progression with rap music. It's almost like we're going through a renaissance right now with rap music and there's some amazing shit coming out with rap music just in the past like three, four to five years. And I'd kind of, I'd kind of got out of rap, but when me and you went to AIT together, you were playing some shit that was like kind of like blowing my mind. And I'm like, what the fuck is this stuff? And I've really like kind of got back into it. So I appreciate that. Uh, you get me back into it, but yeah, man, fucking rap. Yeah. And you actually, when we were um, going to AIT and for those viewers who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, um, AIT um, is basically just, when you get out of basic training, uh, you go to army school to uh, get trained in the job uh, that you uh, signed up for. And Saunders and I uh, are journalists, and we went to school uh, to be journalists. Anyways, um, you really got me into some some new music too. I remember, oh, what's his name? Um, the guy who who um, makes or pl- plays Season of the Witch. Oh, Donovan. Yeah, dude, I played that song like five times a day when you <laughs> when you introduced introduced me to that. The funny thing is, is like I I got a, a Don I got Donovan on vinyl, and I like I put that that shit was on like spinning full time in my apartment. Uh, I really got into Donovan, but I'd never heard of season season of the witch, and I was like, this is Donovan. Like I've never heard this before. <laughs> It's a good song. That's a good-ass song. Yeah, it is. It's fucking awesome. Uh, there's there's so many great bands. And you technology is seriously... I want to stick to music, but people don't understand how fast technology is moving. And it's changing everything. I mean, you can't... You can't talk about... you. You can't talk about music without talking about technology because those go absolutely hand in hand. 100%. Absolutely. Because basically the timeline that we've went on is we've went through, uh, we've started on radio and radio was fucking king, like starting in, I mean, the 1940s, 50s. And then we've kind of, we've progressed through streaming. We've finally got up to like streaming where we are, are now. Um. But also, 
not just how we discover music, like what we've been talking about, but we've kind of talked a little bit about how music is made and the overhead there as well, which is totally changing the game. Um, just how uh, laptops, um, like what you can do on a laptop now is is amazing. Like when I was in, first started college, um, there were very few like affordable music programs to where you could record music and uh, to where we go now. And there's tons of shit. Uh, there's a lot of free stuff which can be a, like the, the user interface is not so friendly, but if you're really determined, you can get it done. But there's a lot of really affordable, decent music software to where people can, they can have a fucking studio in their house. Yeah, it's crazy. And even the free, because right now I'm just using GarageBand and iMovie to make my podcasts and people are doing the same thing with music. Like you were saying earlier, you if you have a band like the classic garage band that you and your friends started in high school before you know that really was just for you and your friends to have fun but today that garage band can legit upload their music to soundcloud or wherever they want whereas before you would have to be really really good and you'd have to present yourself to um this record label and they you'd have first you'd have to be good looking you'd have to prove that you were star worthy that people were you were going to appeal to a mass amount of people and you also had to be talented and now you can do all that stuff yourself which is just awesome i actually i know a lot of musicians um and i actually i can't even think of one that did not start off with garage band yeah they've graduated past it but every single musician that i know and i love talking about like how they got started, um, how long they've been playing music, like what music meant to them, what did they start listening to. I love just going through the progress, the the how they've ended up where they are now. And um, it's always GarageBand. And like we said, like the musicians that I know, they range from uh, just like, you know, doing it for themselves like maybe they don't they've played some live shows but they just love making music and they make it for themselves ranging to people that play shows who locally are very successful people um they use garage band and then you go on like you know a, a a wider audience like post malone he started using garage band too man that's how he started like i think we like Garage Band, the I'd love to just like do an episode of just like how important how Garage Band like changed the music landscape. Like it, it's it's amazing. I think we under I think we we downplay like the importance of how significant like uh, Garage Band was, and that because. That's the, th like, just using that as an example, and even what we were just talking about, I don't want to veer off the path, but it is so, people just don't even register in their mind how fast technology is moving, the way in which it's dis disrupting daily life, industry, like, it's just 
ridiculous to even try and comprehend for better or for how worse. fast yeah. technology is moving. And like you just said, for better or for worse, it's moving so fast that the people creating this technology don't even have control over what's happening. And you know something that I'm seeing now, um, even with myself, is that like we were starting off, we started saying how hard it was to discover new music, how much of a how much of an investment of your time uh, that you spent looking for new music. And it's not like, okay, I'm gonna check out like my my brother's friend who'd send down burn a disc for me. There was probably 20 songs on there, and maybe only two of those songs were ones that I would even listen to. But in that process, I ended up listening to a lot of bands that I didn't like or maybe was okay, but it exposed me to just lots of different kinds of music. But now, if if I'm on Spotify or Pandora and the algorithm is like learning what I like and it's only showing me music. Yeah. I'm discovering tons of music that I really like. Oh, this is good. This is good. It's like one after another music I really like, but it's not really broadening my musical knowledge. It's not showing you a lot of bands that maybe you're not really into, but you're listening to it. It's uh, it's kind of not allowing you to build musical discernment. And it's, um, that's kind of the, what basically what I was saying, the, the downside to technology now, like, okay, we're the big problem with Facebook now is we're having people, okay, with a political, not to get into the political landscape, but people who are just getting articles, um, supporting what they want to read. People who are pro-Trump are, the algorithms are learning what they what they like and it's only sending them shit that they that supports their views they're not getting a lot of articles that are like um you know shaking their foundations of their thought or like giving them giving them viewpoints of the other side exactly um it's like watching like fox fox news or something you know in the same way the other with super liberals like it's it's showing them uh their their liberal views and it's they're just getting articles and information that's supporting their liberal views. Well, it's the exact same thing with Spotify and Pandora. It's it's giving you music that you like, but it's not really exposing you to stuff that you're kind of like, um, maybe you wouldn't really listen to. And that was actually, so I went to a show yesterday, this jazz, this jazz artist from New York. Listening to it, like this is a good example. I was talking about jazz tends to be alienating. I if you listen to it, you probably wouldn't call it jazz. It was just two dudes jamming. It was two dudes jamming on stage and afterwards they talked about this very subject about how Spotify and these music streaming ser- services how they're narrowing people's uh music discovery and how there are actually there's a there they he thinks there's a market for uh, music streaming that will like get people some exposure to to music that they wouldn't and other genres that they wouldn't necessarily listen to. What you truly like, you you do 
um, need to listen to the music that you might not necessarily enjoy because it'll make you appreciate the music you love even more. And hopefully in the process, you will find some new music that you can really get into. And it can be argued that that's, that's really where creativity comes from. That's where innovation and creativity comes from. Uh, maybe listening to something that you wouldn't normally listen to. And maybe that song, it's showing you a song. Like, let's say, like, some dude loves listening to rap. He loves listening to Post Malone, Kendrick Lamar, or, like, you. Well, what if it? What if you got introduced to some, like, country music band? Let's say you were, like, a musician, and you were introduced to some country music band who was popular in, like, the 90s. And you're like, what the fuck is this? But you you kind of dig it a little bit. And there's a little steel guitar in it. And you're like, dude, like, this song's, like, not too bad. I never would have listened to this otherwise. And so you go in and you're like, man, I want to I wanna put some, like, steel guitar in with, in with this. And that's actually kind of happening right now with, like, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton's getting really big and people are taking some like Dolly Parton influences in their rap music and like hip hop like that. It seems crazy. Wait, do you mean she's making music again or is she just like getting like people are starting to listen to her music? She's her becoming music really again. popular. Hmm. And I think it's kind of her just her personality because she's like the Oprah of country music. She does. She does a lot of philanthropy. Um, She actually built just recently built a she she donated two million dollars to build a library in Tennessee in this rural area because in, in a lot of rural areas internet's still really hard uh, to get it's very expensive um, education you know they're just kind of cut off from the world so she started, she built a, a $2 million library in this town. Um, do you remember like in, Ga in uh, Gat, was it Gatlinburg? Remember the, there was a couple of years ago, a huge fire in Tennessee, Devis just decimated. I mean, <laughs> it probably doesn't stand out because it seems like every other week there's a fucking insane forest fire destroying a third of the U.S., uh, but, but like hell on earth. And, but so it like decimated all these, these, these towns and she, um, donated like millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars to like rebuild all these homes and stuff. But anyway, yeah, like Dolly Parton is quite the philanthropist. I love hearing those stories, you know? Because sometimes, you know, rich people get like a, such a bad rap sometimes and a lot of them really do donate like a lot of their money for really awesome causes. I mean, building a library, it's not, you know, some some celebrities will go and build a hotel with their money so they can make uh, just make more profit. And it's like, no, dude, she just did something wonderful for a community that needed something. I'm not really for like I understand like okay what did what did uh what did Drake do he he gave like a bunch of money to some people right? Mm, I'm not sure. God's maybe what, what's what's the I'll look it up. He had a music video for a song called like God's Will or God's Oh uh, God's Plan. 
God's plan. And in a music video, he's literally like giving like stacks of hundred dollar bills to like families and stuff. And it's like, um, I'm not really for that because just like throwing money at people does not help them. No, uh, not at all. I'm all about like, like somewhat, this could be like definitely this, this is an arguable, like this is, this is a touchy subject probably for a lot of people. But so like, would it be better off if let's just say you had like a district in a city, maybe like kind of a struggling district in Chicago, Detroit, Let's say Detroit, because they're definitely, like, fucking hurting big time. If you had $10 million, would it, could you, what would, how could you use that $10 million to better help that community? Would you, would it be better off to literally just divide that $10 million uh, by the, like, households and just give that money to the households? Like, to each household, like a set sum? Or would you be better off building, like, a bunch of infrastructure? Like, build a fucking community center. Uh, set up a bunch of scholarships. Build, uh, buy a bunch of instruments for all those, for that school. Build a science lab. Like, get those kids to college. Like, help the education. Build a sense of community by building a community center. Get, like, I really feel like that's where money that's that'd be a better investment as opposed to just throwing money at people like that that music video kind of like touches me off like it kind of sets me off a little bit because i'm like dude don't like just don't throw peep money at people like do some do some good yeah, shit. that's not like that's not really gonna help them because well first of all you know most of these people haven't seen money like that in their lives so they're not yeah. gonna see it and be like oh i'm gonna put this towards my bills they're gonna go out and buy something that. Oh yeah, they they're don't like, need. oh, I'm rich now. I'm gonna go spend fifty thousand dollars on a vehicle and just like live it up until it's all gone. <laughs> and and they're no better off. They're no better off. Is that vehicle really gonna help your like quality of life? No. Like get those kids to college and um. At LeBron James actually does that. I'm pretty sure LeBron James actually like built a school or a community center. He and he set up a lot of like scholarships at like uh, from like where he's from, like the neighborhood. Like he's doing some cool stuff with his money. So I know we're like totally nothing wrong with like our conversation, but we're kind of veering off. Like, is there anything that you really want to talk about? Like, how do you do you know the song Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones? No. Uh, if I heard it, I'd probably know it, but I don't, I don't think so. Dude, that song is so fucking good. It's, it's a seven minute song about like the first two minutes is Mick Jagger just singing a Keith Richards fucking slamming it on the guitar. And then like the last, uh, four or five minutes of it is just instrumental and it's fucking amazing. It was actually, I was introduced to that song. You've seen Blow, right? With Johnny Depp? Yeah, long time ago, the, ages yeah, ago. Yeah, the, the opening scene when they're making cocaine out in Mexico, uh, they're playing that Rolling Stone song, and it's just so mm -hmm. good. Yeah, cool. What do you th think about that 
I think this argument is just stupid because the bands are completely different, but who's better, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles? And I feel like they're, they're just, just completely different. different. They're absolutely yeah. completely different. But if I and had to say, I'd say the Beatles. Just saying. I I'm I love the Beatles. I, I am such a huge Beatles fan. But I think I would pick the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Because they're just they're heavier. They're a know? hard. They're they're a, they hit harder. For sure, they're a hard. They're exactly. they're a harder hit. Um, mm-hmm. The Beatles have some great melodies, though. Jeez, I will say because it's this is just my personality, but sometimes. Man, I just want to fucking, like, rock the fuck out. I need something that's going to, like, light me up, get my adrenaline going. And Oh, yeah, no. Crank the radio. Besides, like, Helter Skelter, I don't know if I can think of another Beatles song that's just, like, a hard hitter, man. But Yeah, and you, like, Rolling twist Stones. and shout, like, good shit. I could definitely bop to that. <laughs> but it's not, like... It's not like you can, you can't like bang your head in a mosh pit to twist and shout. So I'm pretty sure, like when I is. think of the, that's the difference. Like Beatles, the Beatles are an are like LSD and pot. They're like a stoner. They're kind of a stoner band. Like they're they're definitely a pot band. Oh but yeah, 100%. the Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones are an LSD and cocaine band. Mm-hmm. Like they're like. They're, they got energy and drive. Like they're gonna like make you feel like you're standing on top of a fucking mountaintop, swinging your mm-hmm. dick around, like fucking, <laughs> just like blowing, blowing your load like into the oncoming wind with a strong, with a force of like a force that is that was built inside of you from the song. That's 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 burrowing into you like it's just yeah like there's they're just different straight up like, there there's no other that that was the best way you could have possibly described the rolling stones and like the beatles the beatles is all just kind of like you know light um just very light music whereas the rolling stones has that really heavy shit but they also have yeah. songs like wild horses or Lady Jane, and you know they mm-hmm. make you want to cry, and that that's what I love about the Rolling Stones because I feel like the Beatles kind of just sticks to to one thing, and I'm not. So it I, makes it sound like I don't like the Beatles, but I fucking love the Beatles. Don't. Oh no, here's the thing. Don't like, misinterpret yeah, okay. it. Do you know the concept of a desert, uh, desert island track? Oh yeah, like, desert or de- desert island albums. Yeah, like if you're on a desert island, like what album? And you, it can be like you're only able to take five albums or only one album. Um, there's a BBC radio show. That's what it's called. It's called uh, Desert Island Tracks, and uh, they basically interview celebrities and stuff about like what are their desert island um, tracks. And I think they just do oh, that's songs. So cool. I don't, I don't know if they do albums or I guess they leave it to the individual to decide. But um, as far as Desert Island albums if i was only able to take like the beatles or the rolling stones i'm not sure i could really decide like yeah i'm i make it sound like i don't they're both just different they carry they're just they're just different but honest 
if I was only to, able to take one album, it probably wouldn't be either one of them. Um, it'd probably be something completely different. What do you think you would pick if you're on a desert island? <sighs> okay, so like my first love is classical music uh, because it's it's very pure. Um, it's so underrated. That's something besides jazz that I've really been diving back into is classical. I've been I've been to a lot of or orchestral performances and which I've never so a couple months ago I was invited to go see one of my friends perform in the orchestra. And I'm like, "Oh, amazing. I've never been to an orchestra." It's like on my like top things to do. Like I, I've always wanted to see an orchestra perform live. So I went, blew my mind. I was, I was just like goosebumps the entire time. And it just, I was like, I I can't believe I waited this long. So I've been to three in the past couple of months and it's just, it's amazing because there's a lot of classical music I've listened to over and over again, my entire life. And to see it performed live completely change, changed everything. And you can say that with a lot of different bands. Like maybe you'll listen to an album that that you already know. It's or it's already in your database in your brain. Like it, you have you know the music, but you see it performed live and it changes. Changes the way you cuz you're feeding off the energy of them performing it. And then vice versa, you go and you see a band perform a song or some al- albums live. And then every time you listen to that album, you're taken back to that energy of the moment. And it changed, like, you probably wouldn't necessarily listen to that album and get that level of enjoyment unless you hadn't hadn't seen it performed live. I can say that for me, definitely. Actually, that's, that's, that's something that happened with me with U2, the band. So, like... Growing up, like there was like there was a few U2 songs that I could listen to and I kind of dug it. But I had a cousin get me a, a ticket to see U2 live. And it wasn't until I saw him live and I'm like, oh my I okay, I get it. I understand why they are world famous and probably like the most famous band in the world. Like they're big in the US, U2. But in around the world, they're even they're like on God status, like they are on another level. And na- so now when I go back and I listen to you, too, like I can see them on stage and Bono is Bono is not just he's he's like a so so singer, like he doesn't have that much range. Um, But man, he he performs, man, like he. He is a performer. He was doing some crazy shit on stage. He had on this leather jacket. I mean, the show is always changing. So he went through so many like wardrobe change, like changes and whatever. Well, he came out maybe like halfway through and he had on this leather jacket with lasers coming out all just like literally hundreds of lasers Whoa. coming out of his. No way. And so there was like a little bit of like fog and stuff everywhere. So you could see the trailing. You could actually see the lasers like coming out everywhere. That's fucking dope. And the microphone 
I don't know how, this is probably the best way to describe it. Imagine a steering wheel that has a microphone in the middle of it. So this microphone dropped from the ceiling and I guess it was like attached to a cable. So he just grabbed onto it and he's just like pulling it in. Like, like he's like that steering wheel is like, he hasn't seen a fucking pussy in like five years and he's horny as fuck. And he's like, (laughs) take, he's popped like five Viagra and in the middle of that microphone (laughs) is like just some wet, hot, juicy pussy. And he's just like, just pulling it into his face and singing into that bastard. Like he's eating out the best pussy he's ever eaten in his life. Like with such passion. And so he's, he's pulled it into his face and then he starts running toward the end of the stage and jumps and he starts swinging and flying above the audience hanging from the steering wheel in like a pull doing pull-ups on it singing into the microphone as he's flying through the air with this laser jacket and I'm like fuck me man this is I'm I'm the straightest man in the world, but I'm like, this is like turning me gay, man. Bono, you're <laughs> like, you're getting me going. Dude, you're like, you're a god. If you were on drugs, you would leave that performance and be like, holy shit, what is life? I'm looking at pictures right now of that performance, and it is stunning. During that performance, they also cut to a live feed on the International Space Station and Bono was talking with the astronauts on the International Space Station during the show <laughs> and they and they <laughs> and they requested Only music could do that. like and he played me oh it was like i i can't like tell you this performance man it's an experience but that's absolutely but that's, wild. That's why it's important to go to live shows as well. Is you that's the way the music is meant to be. Music is meant to be enjoyed but through live performance. And I'm just now discovering that again. I used to go to a lot of shows when I was younger, but it'd been years. And now I, I'm starting to go and it's uh totally reinvigorated my passion for like discovering new music i've i've listened to a lot of music that i live that i probably wouldn't listen to on my own but it's uh it's been a it's been a blast it's been really fun i feel like honestly that's uh that's kind of i i'm i find that going to live shows is taking me back to like get like the old days of music discovery and uh the, the payoff that you would get when you like find that band that you like. Well, now it's just more physical. It's not messing around online. And I mean, like, you know, online 15, 20 years ago, downloading from Livewire, trading music with people to where now it's more physical. It's putting your feet on the ground, showing up to that show. I'm getting that same payoff. Yeah, I'm going to see some bands I don't like, but when I find that, that I do fuck yeah man the payoff is so sweet last summer me and my friend for my birthday went and saw Dave Matthews band live 
and oh my god, it was so amazing. Especially because they're the type of band, you know how we were talking about jazz, they, they just start riffing off of each other. Oh yeah. And they'll be playing a song, and you know, like the original song was done like 20 minutes ago, and they're just playing off of each other. And it is such an amazing experience to just watch these professionals work their magic it's just indescribable actually being able to see these people it's funny you bring it up because i kind of wrote off dave matthews band like honestly i i kind of a just wrote dave matthews band the dave matthews band off as like just as silly and unimportant as like smash mouth <laughs> i was just like fucking dave matthews it's just like stoner 90s like just harmonica and like bluesy like get get out of here bro get out of here with that shit but christensen who me and eastman here went to ait with as well and she's an amazing musician in her own right uh she can fucking sing. She's all she's she's a fantastic musician. I don't know if you know this. I didn't. Um honestly, uh besides you and Vargas, another guy we went to AIT with, Christensen is the only other person I talked to. I talked to her like pretty fairly often, but um anyway, she's fantastic. But anyway, at AIT, she was playing some Dave Matthews live performances and I'm like what the hell is this? This is Dave Matthews. It's good this is, shit. That's what this it is. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Oh no, yeah, Dave Matthews is like the best, my favorite band." And I seen, I've seen them live several times. She's like, "Yeah, don't listen to their albums. Listen to the live performances. That's where it's at." And so after AIT, I downloaded a bunch of Dave Matthews. I think it was like live in Chicago. And I was like, fuck, man, Dave Matthews is lit as hell. So good. Like, they're awesome. I fucking love Dave Matthews. And they're like, they are, are on my, like, they are one of my top, like, bands to see live, like, as soon as I possibly can. Like, they're, they're a band that I'm, like, kind of keeping track. They, they play live a lot. Yeah. They do a lot which of is cool. They're, they're always, you really yeah, got to go see them. Um, Dude, I want to see him live bad. I'm I'm totally into Dave Matthews like the past couple of years, really digging it big time. But yeah, man, they jam. They're they're a jam band. I would almost categorize them as like their songs are good, but they're a jam band, man. 100%, like, they're jamming. Dude. It's the best. Yeah, he um Do you know the song Gravedigger by Dave Matthews? It's it's actually it's his um it's like separate a, from the band cover that they do or? It's just or it actually is a cover of I think it might be like a Willie Nelson song, um, but Dave Matthews covered it on a solo album, and he sung it at that live show, and it was so beautiful. I I, I almost cried, dude. Like a, everyone was silent, because it's definitely the type of song like it's sad, it's depressing, but God, can that man sing? It was such an experience. I'm gonna check that out. You say Grave Digger. Yeah, Grave Digger. Okay. I'm yeah, that's check it really out. good. What actually what was the first live show? I mean, don't fucking like don't give me some bullshit of like it's too embarrassing to like 
say, like, don't worry about being sounding cool or anything. Like, what is the first concert you ever went to? I've only been to three or no, I mean, two live shows, including Dave Matthews. And my first one was Lifehouse and Chris Daughtry, dude. (laughs) Lifehouse and Chris Daughtry. It could be way worse. It actually wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I don't even care if people shit on me because they're like boy bands, but it was good. And I also, I I really never was into live music until I started listening to Dave Matthews and The Grateful Dead um, because I was, I was always just like, dude, this is shit. And even when I started listening to The Grateful Dead, it took me a long time to start listening to their studio albums and then like what I understood, you know, what they were trying to do. I was like, live music is actually a hundred times better, especially if they actually know how to perform. Because if you look at a lot of artists, their studio albums are really good. And then when you listen to their live shit, they're fucking awful. Like they can't sing. It's off. It's just it's like a get off the stage. Like this is embarrassing. They're they're relying too much on production. They're not they're not real musicians. Like it's a pro, they they can produce an album, but they can't perform. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a fucking that's a bummer. Like that's yeah, that's that's a way. Right, like we were talking about honesty in in art. Like that's you know they're not being honest. Like with, if they can't get up on stage, and you don't feel their energy, man, fuck that. Or when they lip sing, dude, come on, you're lip singing your own music. You must be terrible if you have yeah. to lip sing your own music. I'm pretty sure. Auto tune, yeah. I can bop to some of Taylor Swift's music. She's got some good shit, but I've heard her perform live, and I'm pretty sure she's no, absolute like- garbage. Maybe it was an old thing I listened to, but. From what I remember, it was just terrible. My ears started to bleed. No, that was like a common thing. Like they said that like, like even when she was younger and she was like singing country music, um, she would sing like live at the country music awards and it was like a struggle <laughs> and she got a lot of flack for it. They're like, oh my God. Yeah, she can like produce an album and, you know, after doing multiple, multiple takes, she can get a get a song recorded and maybe a little auto tune in there to get her in in the right key and hitting those notes. But when she's up there on stage, like she can't do it. She doesn't have the instrument in her voice to do it. But I, you know, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars later. And after some like voice lessons, I think she's probably better. I think she can probably do it now, but yeah, she, uh, Early on, I heard the same thing. Like she was. I would. Have you ever seen the Chili Peppers live? I would love to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers live. That's got to be a great show. Ooh, I would love to see them live. Oh man, yeah. I I know someone who used to go to like multiple of their shows, and they said, yeah, like live, they got the energy. They bring the energy big time, and they they really rock out live. And they're they're another one of those bands too that have the really heavy songs that you can kind of just rock out to. And then when you actually start listening to their music, it's some of their stuff's just really deep and dark. And it just takes you 
to a totally different headspace, which is an amazing thing about music. Yeah. Something really funny about Red Hot Chili Peppers, though, is this guy uh, that went to the multiple shows, he said that the lead singer actually has a lisp. Really? And he didn't know that until he saw them live. And he's like, what's the deal? Like, (laughs) why does he sound like that? And he's like, it must have been unique to that performance. Maybe he had his fucking wisdom teeth removed or, or something like he had a swollen lip. I don't know. Uh, but he went to another show and it was the exact same thing. And he looked up some live interviews and he he has a lisp. Huh. But when they when they record their albums, I don't know what he does, but he he hides it. He conceals that. But when he sings live, he has a lisp, which is kind of hilarious yeah that's interesting i had no idea but like for me uh the first concert i ever went to was this band they were like a one-hit wonder country music band i think i was in the fifth grade and my friend's mom took us called blackhawk um i'd sing you the song maybe you'd recognize it but i'm not going to do that Yes, you'll have to send me it after. But, uh, I don't think I've ever heard of them. They actually have like a pretty bomb, like one hit wonder. Like it's pretty good. Like I don't know, maybe you wouldn't dig it. Like for me, it's just maybe it's the nostalgia that's making me like it. I'm kind of a sucker for that. There's a lot of stuff that I'll listen to that I feel a little bit shameful about, <laughs> but. It's just like, especially with country music, country music from the 90s, which is kind of funny because a lot of country music from the 90s is becoming popular again. Uh, kind of like Dolly Parton and and like people like that. But I, I don't remember the second. Sh- oh, I went to a Christian rock uh, band. Oh, my God. And they were just really terrible. That's hilarious. Around. It was a Christian... I think they were called like Plus One or not Plus One because that's a popular band, isn't it? But anyway, they're, they were like this like pretty famous like Christian rock band. So it, probably the third concert I went to was like actually something that I would listen to like Interpol. I, 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 I followed Interpol around for quite a while. I saw them multiple times. And, uh, that's actually another reason like it's really important to go see live bands is because if you get like a headliner, if you see a big band, um, they're going to have openers. And I've actually discovered opening acts that I ended up liking more and uh, than the, the headliner that I like there. I can think of multiple off the top of my head, like Blonde Redhead, School of Seven Bells, like some bands that I still listen to and really enjoy more than the headliner that I went, went to originally. I love that. You go to see this one band that you just love so much. And then you get there and you're like, I don't, I want to hear the guys that open for you. I I don't even want to listen to you anymore. (laughs) The other guys were better. But yeah, as far as, so just with music. uh, So I've always been into music and I've, something I've always really struggled with is like, I've always wanted to make my own music and growing up in a very rural area, as I said, um, it was really hard just to get your hands on an instrument, you know? And I really wanted to play piano. I was obsessed with piano. 
from a really young age and just like begged my parents to like get me a keyboard, but you know, they can't afford that. Like we were pretty poor growing up and, uh, just never had that ability. And, but because of where I was from, really the only music that was really being generated locally was bluegrass music. So I got started playing live music through bluegrass and it, I, I went to a show and saw a woman playing banjo. And I mean, she was just ripping it up. It was like really at that time I was listening to a lot of techno high energy music and this banjo playing was insane. She had such energy. I mean, it was like a banjo flying like a bat out of hell down a fucking highway on fire. Like it was so fast and just filled me with such energy. I'm like, I want to do that. So I bought a banjo, started playing with all these old men when I was like 14 years old. This is going to turn into a different story. Playing banjo with a bunch of old men. <laughs> no, like literally like I, this guy, this guy, he was my friend's uncle. His name was Pat. And he had an old Astro van. He lived with his mom. And uh, (laughs) like, this sounds really shady. Like my friend's uncle who lived with his mom, like would pick me up in his van. And we'd go out into these cabins, like way out in the fucking, way out in the woods where all these other (laughs) old men would be. Playing like no shit, like wash tub, bass, fiddles, banjos, harmonicas, and jaw harps. And there'd be like an old, like a 60, 70 year old lady crackling away, singing, like boiling the cabbage down and amazing grace. Like all these like Tom Dooley, like old men playing jugs, uh, Sipping moonshine, smoking cigarettes, and uh, rolling their own cigarettes. That's so cool. But eventually, I actually, they they had another banjo player, and I, not to, like, toot my own horn, but, like, toot, toot, like, I was really good at banjo, and he was so jealous because I was, obviously, I was way better than him. Uh, I would just, like, fucking play circles around him. And we used to play at his shack pretty often. He was like one of the main dudes. And he was like, uh, it's either me or him. And you're not going to play in my shed anymore if if you don't have me. So they just quit calling me and they fucking ghosted me, bro. They fucking, uh, they cut me off. Damn. These yeah. old men just it was- fucking ghosted you. You were like that. You were basically you were like that kid in Deliverance, man, in the beginning of the movie, where they're just going savage with the guitar and banjo and just playing with each other. That was you, bro. That's probably why he was playing by him. That's probably why he was playing by himself on the porch. Those <laughs> fucking old men fucking stood him up. Like, got cock blocked by some from some old man snus, bro. But uh. Anyway, so then uh, not long after that, like a local band found out that I played banjo and they're like, hey, have you ever played bass guitar? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, it's like 
if you can play banjo, you can play bass. So started playing with this local band and I eventually graduated to guitar. Just got me interested in playing that. And I essentially never played banjo again, really. I still have my banjo every, seems like every couple of years, I'll like pull it out, just kind of like mess around, but I've never really went back to it fully. Um, But after that, I really got in guitar, into the guitar for several years and uh, really got into it, really obsessed. But then I got, honestly, I just got bored with guitar. Um, and I wanted something more, I don't know, I wanted something different, a different sound. And that's when I was like, you know what, I really still want to play piano. So I then started playing piano and I've never like, stopped so I went out and bought like a really nice electric keyboard and uh now I have a different one that's even nicer but uh I fucking love playing piano and uh so and I actually just started playing violin uh I don't know about what. three weeks yeah, so another thing is I always wanted to play strings and I always wanted to play cello or violin. And uh, I was like, I've never received like classical training or any kind of teaching of any kind with playing an instrument. And I feel like that always held me back. I've always tried to, on piano, teach myself how to read music and like learn properly. But it's always been a struggle. But I... uh found somebody who was a phenomenal violinist like like very accomplished violinist and they were like hey uh I'll give you lessons and so I started from the very beginning learning how to like doing going through the proper means learning to read sheet music uh starting off at the fundamentals and practicing and I fucking love it, man. Like, I love playing violin. Uh, so that's where I'm at now. I play piano, violin. Uh, really happy with it. And I'm going to actually start, been started kind of like jamming with some people. And they really like the stuff that I make. And I've never really played my music with anybody. And it was always really not very confident because I'm like, okay, I play like what I want to play. I've never been into playing other people's music, to be honest. And that's that's what got me bored with guitar because when I was playing guitar, I was just playing other people's music. But I felt that the piano was much easier uh, for me doing like jamming or doing like improv, improvisational music. And the same with I'm finding the violin to be... Uh, I'm enjoying it in that way as well. And uh, so I started, I was with some people and they're like, dude, you play piano, right? I'm like, oh, not really. I play for myself and started playing with them. And they're like, dude, this is really cool. I really dig it. Like, let's, let's do some stuff. So I, things are like the ball is like moving to like uh, play with some people. I was actually invited to play at this performance Um I don't know if I'm going to be ready by next month. I probably won't do it then, but maybe the next month after that, I'm going to play with them some piano. Dude, that'd be sweet. Do you think that playing um, 
these many musical instruments have kind of changed your love for music or, or yeah, just like made you think about it differently or enjoy it even more? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because um, when I started playing piano, I just kind of play what I wanted to play. But act, okay, there's a big difference. So when you start learning, like from a fundamental point of view, like how to read sheet music and like, you know what an arpeggio is or like a particular chord progression, like someone who's just doing a bunch of major chords or someone who's like throwing in some like kind of like throwing in some minor chords and like you, you, um, you have a greater appreciation for it. And you're like, Oh fuck. Like I see what you're doing there. Like I see what you're doing. That's really cool. But yeah, it's absolutely changed the whole like music experience, which is why I find myself enjoying jazz more or jam or like classical music because a lot of classical music they're doing it's not necessarily like a song like most songs that you go to shows for like popular music there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end there's a bridge there's a chorus there's a formula and there's a pattern and it for me I find it kind of boring now because it's too not saying that I don't enjoy some of that music. I really do still, but something that's really feeding me lately is jam or classical or jazz because it's more, it's less of a formula and it's more of a conversation and more of like musical phrases happening. And it's more experimental, um, I bet, man. Dude, it was really great talking to you. Um, it was so good to catch up with yeah. you, Saunders. Um, we're definitely going to have you back on Welcome to the World. And thank you for all of you listeners tuning in. Um, peace out. But before you go, a quick word from our sponsor, Probe. So I have this new product that I'm bringing in. It's called Probe. It's our new app. We just We're just finished developing it. We just worked out all the kinks and we've to bring this amazing product to you and your viewers. I really can't explain just how excited I am. So tell me something. How many times have you had you your you think that you found the right alien to probe your asshole and you finally meet up with that guy. He abducts you. You go to bed that night. You wake up, and all of a sudden, you're getting probed, and it's just, it just doesn't feel right. Like, you you feel like you're just not compatible. They don't know how to please you in the ways that you want to be pleased. You can't really, the conversation just kind of falls short as you're screaming at them, why, why am I here? What are you doing? And they're just like, you feel like the conversation's not going anywhere. I can't tell you how often that happens. I, I'm really, I, I kind of haven't, um, been looking to be abducted lately because of that reason. And you know, how can your, uh, new social media app help with that? You see, that's an experience that we hear over and over and over again. And we thought, you know what? I feel like there's room here for a new app And that's why we brought this to you. How can we better that experience? So if you're familiar with Bumble, 
and Tinder and all these new dating apps. Well, what we did is we took that type of experience and we moved it toward alien relationships and compatibility. We have been working nonstop, day and night, for weeks. So anyway, it pairs you up with that alien that's just right for you. It's so exciting. Guys, you need to download Probe. I can't even explain to you how amazing the service has been. I've been using Probe for the longest time. You know what? I sense hesitation in your voice. I sense hesitation in your voice. And I'm kind of tired of it. So I think this interview is over. I think it's done. I don't think you really have the you're the right demographic of people that we really want using our app. So I think we're done. Yeah. Well, you know what, guys? I was going to promote Probe, but fuck Probe. It actually sucks. You it know is what? the worst alien combati- compatibility you. service that I've ever used in my entire life. I specifically said I wanted a green alien with three titties to probe my this asshole. Is and my you know time. what they sent me? They sent me a goddamn yellow alien with two titties Jacob, to probe can you in the call? my asshole. Jacob, Jacob, can you hear me? In the call right now. Jacob. Well, 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 well